Dear Shooter, Hunting season is in full swing. Trucks are packed to the hilt with gear. We have had good times with friends, both new and old. We have seen beautiful scenery, and most of the time, every species except the ones we're looking for. All you can do is keep on the hunt and blaming the gun. Of course I'm happy. Just checking, because I'm like getting the stink eye here. Go do your thing, but get good at your craft first, and put your budget to things that really matter at the end of the day. You want to get good at it, and make no mistake about it, that's training. Let's face it, if you have a size 62 waist, you are not as tactical as 5'11 might think you are, and we've all seen it. Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Jason Crotto. Deer Shooter is brought to you by WyoTac, Empowerment Through Self-Reliance, and Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. A good Thursday morning, and we're actually a little late recording the podcast this week because, yes, we have been hunting. Well, we've been looking. Now that we're hunting, not shooting. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with that. Um. <laughs> the antelope hunt we went on was, was stellar. St- oh, amazing. Absolutely stellar. And the next up for us would be elk. Same yep. area. A lot of private land on this hill, mm-hmm. which makes it tricky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, before we dive into that, let, let's talk a little bit about the the antelope hunt. That was your Vet Healing Adventures event. Yeah. Um, in Well, I guess in two days because we had one early guy. But yep. basically yep. In, in the span of that event, uh, 23 antelope were harvested. That's correct. Everybody tagged out that trip. That's impressive, especially considering the winter that we had and the, the reduced numbers. We were kind of bracing for a tough hunt, um, and most of the landowners out there were telling us that they hadn't seen the quality of animal we usually see. Right. And what actually came in that day was kind of impressive. The yeah. quality of the animals were still there. The quantity of animals were still there. Um, the access and availability and the fun to be had, the the fellowship to be had in that event, absolutely world-class. It was stunning. It was great, and and I remember Brandy texting me about eight o'clock in the morning and went, "You got your work cut out for you because uh, one of one of the women veterans that went out, uh, she had an animal down in what eight minutes." The only woman veteran oh. that was out. Yeah, she did. She went with David Ramage, and he lives out there for the most part. Um, he's grown up out there. He he knows where they live. He knows what he's looking for. He's hunted antelope his entire life. And he took her to a very close to the event honey hole. And she put it together. She got it done. And it was it was a nice animal. Uh, I saw it when I came back in. And it was impressive. No, it was a very respectable antelope. Um, it wasn't short. It wasn't light. It was very respectable. The good and bad thing is she was the first one in, and it it was a great animal. The bad part of that is she goes, now what? And I'm like, now you sit here and wait for the banquet tonight. <laughs> <laughs> You're done. 
Now, she got to watch all the others come in throughout the day. Um, if she stayed and hung out, um, I don't know what she did. She did for uh, a while, I, off and on. Yeah, I think I think a, a few of them loaded up um, that it, that did come in early and got it done early. Uh, there was a few of the guides that took them out, and, and they went and hunted prairie dogs for a little while. We did have a group of them that apparently, from wherever they were from, they don't have rocks. So they all went and collected rocks. That was one of my guys. <laughs> <laughs> and his, his truck was full of boulders. So we, we get out of the truck, and we spot this group that we're going to go take a look at. And I always insist on getting them out of the vehicle and making them walk a little bit, earn a little bit of it, rather than just find them with a the truck and then go shoot them. No. I made him walk a little ways, and about 200 yards into this, I start hearing a, a, a clanking sound coming from his pockets. And I turn around, and he's bent over digging a rock up out of the dirt. And it was a pretty piece of quartz, don't get me wrong. But And then he stuffed it in his pocket, and he looked, his pockets looked like gerbil's cheeks. <laughs> he had pockets full of these little things. And he goes, yeah, I've got a sickness. I'm sorry. He apologized for me for picking up rocks. Well, look who's talking. You, were, I watched you sit there and stack rocks for two days. It was a pretty stack of rocks. <laughs> it was. Nice, pretty white quartz. But In my defense, what else was there to do? Uh, not much. We were actively taking a hike to go look at antelope at that time. Mm-hmm. He had a tag. There's one 400 <laughs> yards away. We're on the hunt. No, he's waiting his ass down with rocks. Well, the walk wasn't challenging enough, I the guess. The wind wasn't even blowing. <laughs> I mean, I get it in Wyoming that that could be a thing, but no. He was just enamored with rocks. We shoot at this antelope, and I say that in the truest sense of the word, at the antelope. Um, he missed uh, <laughs> very, very badly, twice. And we decided, well, that one's just a little bit too far. We're going to back out and go find a different one. And on the way back to the truck, he's picking up more rocks. <laughs> so now he's got his hoodie out and holding it like a, a basket. He gets to my truck, and he unloads his pockets. It takes him 10 minutes to unload rocks into the back of my truck. (laughs) We drive down the road. We find another group we're going to start looking at. And he goes, I promise no rocks this time. I mean, he was really self-conscious about this. (laughs) But he had a compulsion. Get out. He manages a beautiful shot of this next one. Redeemed himself. And uh, get back to the fire hall and and get his animal on the gambrel and everybody congratulates him does that whole dance and the second that he had a free moment to go he's like can i go back out there and i find for more rocks and he goes "Uh (laughs) uh-huh he took his own truck this time and went and got more rocks and he had three rocks in the back of his truck that were the size of a small cooler oh yeah there i i saw him at a hundred pounds plus a couple of those yeah, 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 yeah. So he well, went home heavy. If I knew that they liked rocks so much, you know how much easier that'd be for me? It's not hard to switch a tag for that. You know, you're onto something there. We should do the <laughs> Vendor <laughs> Adventures rock hunt. Yes. Right? <laughs> no, I like Otis, and he's a good guy, and and uh, he has a fetish for rocks, and good on him. He was a good guy. I think it, I think it reminds him of his time as a drill instructor, you know, trying to teach rocks. Oh, my gosh. He is so funny. He tells stories. And when he gets to telling a story, he pulls out the drill instructor voice. And you were saying that half the crowd 
kind of got nervous because they'd heard that pitch before. They have. The ones that could stand stood up real straight and looked over at him, and the one in the wheelchair was as straight as he could be, <laughs> and they looked over at him. <laughs> and then they realized, A, we're not in the military anymore, and B, he's just having a conversation. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> there was. <laughs> that ingrained nature of that is still there. Some of those guys have been out for a while. I, I think we all have that to a certain extent. I mean, it, let me ask you this. If, you, if your dad pulled out the dad voice, even today, you would probably stop in your track, stand up straight, yes sir, no sir. Uh, to be honest with you, since dad's been gone since 2012, yeah, I would have a problem with dad pulling <laughs> out the dad voice right now. Well, yeah, but, but I will tell you, it kind of makes me nervous when I pull the belt loop, my belt through the belt loops, that sound. Mm. Because um, that was like the hallmark of, okay, you've done it, kid. Right. When that sound happened in the house, I was looking for a place to hide. Yeah. Now, that sound still today gives me the heebie-jeebies. So, we've spent the last three days um, chasing after the the wily Wapiti. Uh, and elk. The elk have just... Uh, well, and I, I'd like to say that they're nowhere to be found. We know exactly where they're at. We found them. I mean, we we showed our hunter a thousand head. Yep. You can't get to them. Can't get to them. But you can see them. And that's, you know, that's one of the challenges. I, I was in Montana a week or so ago and talking with some of the guys that were up there, that, that were hunters up there, um, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and the hunting that they do is a lot different. Uh, one of the things that struck me is one of the conversations I had, somebody asked me what we baited our deer with. And I'm like, wait, what? He goes, oh, yeah, I use corn. And I'm like, yeah, we, we can't do that. That's illegal here. Yeah. Absolutely and nothing. It, and it blew his mind. It, he couldn't fathom that we go up in the mountains, we get out of our vehicles, and we go hike, and we have to go actually find these things and hunt them down. That whole fair chase there's not a lot of places that it's really practiced like it should be. Yeah, I've noticed that. And and I guess to me, that that was a real culture shock to me because I don't know any other way. Well, what they do is not hunting. They're shooting. There's no hunt involved. A feeder goes off at 6 a.m. and you choose the one you want. And to their defense, that's about the only access they have to the activity, though, too. When I moved to Texas... Um, I learned that, you know, they had a feeder and you sat in a stand and you waited until the feeder went off and five or six minutes later you had your pick, right? And the, the feeder was a known distance away. It's more shooting than hunting in any way. And it, it, it offended me a little bit. So I put the rifle away and picked up a fly rod and went on the salt water and chased fish. Now that's hunting. Yeah. That's fun. Well, you talk about access. That was one of the things that we, we were talking about is these guys hunt on leases that might only be 10 or 15 acres at best. You and I go out, and, and we go and we hunt. You know, we're hunting public land. We're hunting some private land when we can get permissions, but we're hunting hundreds of thousands of acres. Yeah, the taste we, well, the place we looked at today, um, we stood on a fence line. And conservative estimate, we were looking at over 300,000 acres yeah. of mountainside, valleys, meadows, tree lines. Um, we had a panoramic view. 
um, and probably 240 degrees because we backed up against a hillside. Right. And you could see for darn near ever. Oh, you, you could see for miles. I really enjoyed the fact that you guys are all glassing all the mountains and the valleys, all the little canyons and stuff. And right behind us, we had a herd of deer sneaking up on us and they were coming to us. Because we didn't have that tag. Their I'm season's sure. not on, and they can read the, the calendar. I'm pretty sure of it. They, yeah, they can, because they got within, what, 20 yards of us? Yeah, but their season's not on to the 15th, no. right? And so they didn't care. Oh, and that little four-corn buck that was in there, he knew he wasn't in danger. No. No, it, when season's on, he's not in danger. No, he, he knows. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will say, as bad as our winter was last year, um, I was really happy to see the health of the animals. Yes. That herd of deer, there wasn't a scraggly, worn-out-looking one in the bunch. They all were very healthy. The coats were great. Mm-hmm. Great muscle tone. Um, no ribs showing. I mean, they, they were healthy animals. Well, and they were, they were very calm. Um, yeah. I mean, we, were, we weren't exactly trying to be sneaky or quiet. I mean, we were standing on a ridge line next to a side-by-side. We had our, our other group that was with us drove up on us the 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 deer never left uh they just hung out and did their thing and could care less they were i think they were more curious about what we were up to than anything else probably right um but you know we talk about access uh one of the things that we talked about when we talked about our hunter prep episode of of, what a month or so ago we talked about you know calling those landowners and getting that access well in advance of season Mm mm-hmm it's a it's an ethics and a politeness. Right. Um, you're bound to have a bunch more success when you ask in advance politely than to drive up the opening day and knock on the door at breakfast time. Right. Don't do that. No. No. So we had that. We you know we had that access, and we we've got other places that we'll probably be able to access in the future. But right now they're doing guided vet hunts, or they have outfitters on their property that kind of get first dibs, and I understand why. Sure. But even at that, I mean, I, I was kind of keeping a, a relatively close eye on the GPS just to kind of see what we were in the land status. Uh, we were on a lot of private, but we, there was an awful lot of public that we were on, too. And we didn't cross anything we didn't have permission to be on. Right. Um, that's another thing you need to just consider is the trespassing mindset. If you don't have permission to be on their property, don't go. No. You don't jump fences. You don't open gates. Unless you know what's on the other side of that fence. Right. You just don't do it. Right. And one of the things I was always taught, um, and this was from, a, from being a kid going out and hunting and being on land and, and this and that and the others, uh, you know, the rule about gates is you always leave it the way you found it. Um, although I, I know there were some of the stuff, we were up there, and, and it, to me it kind of seemed like, you know, we'd come up on an open gate and it was like, hmm, should this really be open? But... That ingrained, leave it the way you found it. Well, the reason is, is we had a group go in before us, and they're quite a bit ahead of us. And it wasn't open all the way. Usually when a farmer opens it to leave it open, it's open all the way and maybe even wired to the fence. Right. This one was at half. Yeah. And in the season we're in, they are moving cattle around. They're rounding them up. And open gates is a way for them to compartmentalize and things to work them through when they do that. Right. Or then have to send a cowboy up and open a gate in advance. So 
they kind of count on pasture to pasture to pasture to be able to get, gain access without much of, of an interruption. Right. Right. I've been the guy on the horse chasing the cows. Oh, yeah. And an open gate's a godsend. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you got a herd moving, and you're trying to get them stopped so you can open a gate. That can be bad. Yeah. You haven't taught Lassie to open gates yet? No, we didn't have a dog. There are a lot of times I wish we had a dog that was good that way, but we didn't. They had me. You were the dog. I was the dog. <laughs> I was the guy that ran all the edges and kept everything in the same direction. I did feel bad for our vet a little bit because he got to open and close every gate. He's a professional gate opener now. <laughs> he is. <laughs> Came to Wyoming, got a new profession. Yeah, poor guy. I mean, he... He came out, and he saw God's country. I mean, we were at 7,500 feet for the most part. Um, sometimes we went above that by a couple hundred feet. Um, creeks and grass meadows and ridges that were rock outcropped with trees on them. And we probably covered 35 square miles just driving the ranger through looking. Yeah. He got to see some country. Oh, I'm really glad on the second day we could show him elk to show that they actually, you know, is that critter here. <laughs> yeah, there's no, they're no longer mythical. Yeah. <laughs> they do exist. And what was the salt in the wound was, well, we can't go over there. Right. Right. There's 200 head running that tree line, but you just get to watch them. Right. It's kind of like a strip club. And unfortunately, that's the way it goes. Um, now, we had a storm move in on us today and chased us off the mountain. But the hope is that that storm's going to push those elk down where we can actually get to them. It's been unseasonably nice. Mm-hmm. Um, the first part of October, we usually have a rainstorm or two that uh, changes the attitude of everything in the mountain. We haven't had that yet until no. today. Yep. Yeah, right now. Oh, it's raining pretty it, good outside right it now. It is pouring. Um, and, you know, and I think we talked about this a little while ago because we had seen elk and, and in, in fact, moose way down low, lower than they should have been for middle of August. All summer long. Um, well, someone was saying that the wolves were chasing them down. I don't doubt that a bit. And that's a potential, too. We did see a couple of coyotes on Monday. We did that, see a pair. Uh, yep. I don't know. It's kind of hard to turn your elk hunt into a coyote hunt yeah, unless you know that there's no elk around. Yeah, if we'd have known there was no elk around, but we were still on the way up the very first time. Yeah, that would have been a different story if I knew it was going to go the way it did. Yeah. And, you know, we and, and our, our, our philosophy here is we always say keep blaming the gun. Uh, you know, always, always blame your gear first. Uh, well, this time we can blame the terrain because you you broke your side by side. I did again <laughs> in the same part too. Um, evidently, the 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 unconsolidated rock slides that we were trying to drive these things on oh, horrible. was a shade much for the That's suspension. That's a road. It's a minimum maintenance. Just road. because you've <laughs> driven up and down it a few times to cause some tracks does not make that a road. Yeah, it is. No. Well, and, and, and we're trying to cram three people in a two-seater Ranger, uh, which left me sitting in the, in the bed of this thing on top of a cooler, uh, bouncing up and down these roads. So uh, I found a cushy chair for tonight. Yeah, but did you die? I didn't die. I might have if I'd have let go, though. <laughs> there was a couple times I thought we were going to tip the damn thing. Now, the country we were in was not hospitable. For driving too much, and we drove a bunch. 
we call that very not user friendly. Yeah, it was it was interesting. But he got to see elk. We got to see elk. Um, I'm very disappointed in seeing an airplane move the elk around a little bit. Yeah. Um, I didn't quite think that. that was right. No. It's not legal. It's harassing the wildlife. And and they're rounding them up for hunting purposes. Well, the speculation is is the guy flying that airplane is is an outfitter, and he's got to make a living too. He's pushing the elk back to his guys. Still not fair chase. It's not legal, and it robs everybody else on the mountain from the opportunity. Does um, and it's not fair chase. You're corralling these things into gunfire, and we watched it every day. You could about about set your clock by it. Yep, and about about eight eight fifteen every morning. That's right. And um, I noticed that on that airplane, um, the tail numbers were covered up. Yeah. So he didn't want to be identified from the ground. Then he should drive a different plane because we all know who he is. It's a small community, yo. It's very small. But again, it's not what you know. It's what you can prove. Right. It's who you know. Right. Often. Well, Often. I, I, you know, April's coming right around the corner. And, and I know Remington every year puts out drone loads April 1st. So I'm I'm wondering if maybe that might work on a small plane. Whew, you're gonna have to do awful close. <laughs> well, as close as he was flying to the ground, I probably got a chance. Yeah, you probably could have got a chance. Do you need a tag for that? I don't know. No, that's a predator. Seems yeah, awful yeah, crunchy. I th- too. No, I think you're right. I think oh. it. I think that would qualify as a predator. Now, you would really have to clean your shorts out if you took one of those and shot it, and then the plane went down. Can you mount it? <laughs> no, but you have now caused a real situation. Ah. Yeah. And ask me how I know. <laughs> so back in the day, I was archery hunting outside Casper. And uh, the Game and Fish were doing herd surveys on the second week of archery season. And they were flying airplanes right at tree line, trying to count numbers and push them out of the trees and get an idea of what was in the area. Well, they screwed up my elk hunt like four times in a row. I screwed it up bad. And in my frustration and poor judgment, I turned and let an arrow loose. And it stuck in the tail of that plane. They landed, and here they come walking up the meadow with my arrow and asked me if it was mine. It was. We had a nice conversation about how that was not right, and we had a nice conversation about how it wasn't right for them to fly during hunting season, and they agreed that... We both were in the wrong, and I got my arrow back, and they went on their way. <laughs> you what got is, lucky. What is with you in that? Because there was another elk archery season. You went up, and I believe, I don't think it was Game and Fish. I think it was a federal government, but they were rounding up the wild horses during elk archery season. Now, that one did happen, but I didn't have a run-in with them other than on the phone because they made a public announcement about what they were doing. So I called and talked to them about it. They ended up delaying their program a week, which was nice of them. It didn't solve the problem, but it was nice of them. Timing for a lot of things always kind of sucks, and especially in the fall because everybody's scrambling for winter. You know, one of the things that we ran into on the mountain was there was there was a group up there that was rounding up their cattle and running them down the road, oh boy. which I, I, I know I felt bad for them because I know they had to be cussing us, all of us running up and down the road to get up the mountain, and screwing up their cattle drive. But at the same time, it's like you kind of chose this day and you knew what time it was. 
one of the things that struck me about that situation is this cattle operation were kind of tourists because they ran the cattle down the road, not across their own property to a corral they had. And they loaded them up on trucks that they, they brought in to stack them up. So those cattle were in there on a grazing lease from someplace else. Right. Um, I get that they got to get the cattle off the mountain, and they had a bunch of cattle with nine trucks sitting there. I figured it was a whole bunch. Oh, it, 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 well, you, typically you see, what, 80 in a, in a truck? Yeah, ballpark. Six, 70 to 80 If they in pack a truck. it in there, yeah. Yeah, so, I, yeah, nine trucks, you're, you're looking at probably 1,000 head. Yeah, and then there was a lot of cows still on the hill. Mm-hmm. They weren't driving that many at a time, and they're probably still up there trying to drive cattle. Oh, I'm sure they are. In this weather, it sucks to be a cowboy. Yep. Yep. And I, you know, and I get it. They got to do it when when the when the weather changes and when they can get the trucks. I I, I get all that, but man, I think a little bit of pre-planning on their part would have saved them some frustration. Opening day, it looked like a war zone out there. I'm not sure I wanted to be out there on horseback. I've never seen that many hunters. There was a lot, lot of people on the mountain. Uh, What did we count Monday? It was 18? Because I didn't see any of those cowboys wearing orange, y'all. I'm just saying. I think I would for the season. And then the law reads, if you're hunting and actively in the shoot, then you got to have your hunter orange on. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're in the field, you should have your hunter orange on. Um, they weren't hunting, and but they were, they're in the field, right? And it's pretty obvious that a horse and rider is not anything that you should be shooting at. Yes, but do you trust a lot of the out-of-staters who have never been hunting before? Oh, I don't trust I anybody. Mean, we have stories of people who thought they shot an elk that was strapped <laughs> to the top of their vehicle, and it wasn't a damn elk. I, I, one of my best friends in high school, his dad was a game warden, and they were running a game check station, and these three guys from Minnesota come rolling up in their truck, and they are all happy, and they come up to the check station, and, well, how'd you do, boys? Oh, we got them. And, yeah, this was a lot easier than we thought it was going to be to hunt elk, because they were standing right by the side of the road. And he goes, okay. So he goes, and he looks in the back of their truck. And he comes back up, and he's like, good job, boys. You, you tagged out. Um, I'm going to need you to step out of the vehicle. Well, it turned out that they had shot three branded mules. Oh, God. Dressed them out, loaded them in the truck. Oh, God. <laughs> so let's put our cowboys in orange for out-of-state Well, experience. let's paint our mules orange. Oh, my God. <laughs> so... All the brands now say not elk on the side. Yeah, they should. <laughs> I got to ask, did they get to keep the mules? They did not. Okay, um, good. And they got fined to the hilt and were not allowed to hunt in the state of Wyoming for 10 years. So, interesting story. Um, when was this, by the way? This was probably 30 years ago. Okay. So, something in the neighborhood of 20 years ago, um, living in Casper, we went to the game processor after a hard day of hunting. And it's on the way out, right? And stopped, and there was a guy there. He was all excited. Again, from Minnesota, oddly enough. Yeah. What is it with Minnesota? And he came in, and he, he shot himself a, a cow elk. Go out to his truck, and there's a mule in the back of his truck. <laughs> all quartered out. And the game processor comes out, and he looks at it and goes, hang it up. I'll skin it. <laughs> he sent that guy home. Packaged, He processed that mule for him. So when that guy got home and he was telling all his friends about come over for barbecue, my house, 
I imagine that they had a different meal than I usually have when I cook elk. Generally, yeah. Um, How do you mistake a mule for an elk? I mean, I took hunter safety late in life. I'm sorry, but the pictures of the animals, you have to know the pictures of the animals. Well, yeah, and this guy was an age. He probably didn't have to have hunter safety. He was before in 1966. Okay. And so he probably never had it. Has he ever watched television? It might have been his first trip. Maybe he should watch the Discovery Channel. I'm just saying it was a really weird thing to watch a game processor process it for him. Maybe he should walk through a zoo. Yeah. Somebody was missing a mule. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's that's what I wondered. Did the processor actually, you know, contact the owner of the mule? Probably. I, I have no idea. I, we didn't stick around long enough to have that conversation. I mean, because I would think you would have called the brand inspector with that one. We laughed and laughed and laughed about that, though. That poor guy went home and had a really bad steak. Oh, that's horrible. Well, you can sausage about anything, right? So well, I mean, That is true. Yeah. The, the French like it. Well, who was it years ago? Was it Taco John's that got busted for serving horse meat? It was Taco John's. Yep, yep. And and I'm I'm on I'm on the fence with that. I mean, to me, as long as you're honest about it, who cares? Buyer beware. Yeah. Well, yeah. Buyer beware if you you don't know. But uh, it, we were talking about that today. Somewhere in California was was serving kangaroo. All right. Interesting story, but where do they get a supply of kangaroo? Australia. (laughs) This food truck is jacked up, (laughs) y'all. Now, I do know that there is a kangaroo farm in Montana. Really? Can they they do winter? I, I, I have no idea how it works. The only reason I even know this is because of a fact that I usually I give in a lot of my classes talking about um, normalcy bias. And what had happened, uh, and this was probably a decade ago, there was an older couple driving through Montana on vacation, and they were close to this farm, and one of the kangaroos had escaped and ran out in the middle of the highway, and it was such a shock to this couple that they, of course, peeled off the road and overcorrected and rolled the car, and and, and both of them barely survived, like barely got out of the car but they were in such disbelief it is as to what they had seen um so i always use it as an example of normalcy bias puff puff pass man something uh, a kangaroo farm in montana yeah i'm gonna have to look this shit up that's <laughs> fun. that ain't right i used it's to drive by a place in texas when i lived in texas on my way to work they the had zebras the exotic game farms in texas this was an exotic game I farm their zebras that. were with their horses and it was a small probably 10 acre place at max what yeah. did you tell me this morning about the giraffe the the moose leopard what's more realistic unicorn a unicorn, unicorn. or a giraffe a, a horse with a horn or a camel moose something leopard 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 with a really with long a 40 neck. foot neck <laughs> yeah, you say it like that it's just it's dumb <laughs> it's dumb uh oh god so anyway. it, we're gonna let this storm pass and we're gonna go back up there here in a few days um what do you expect to see I'm going to go back up there. After this little weather blip we're going to have, 
I kind of expect to see muddy roads. I expect to see snow because they're talking 8 to 12 inches at 8,000 feet. I expect to see a little snow. I also kind of expect the the elk patterns to have changed a little, but not a lot. Um, this weather's going to make them hunker down in the trees where they're already at. And unless they get pressure to be pushed out of there by hunters, that herd's not going to change where it's at. And we'll be in the same situation we were. Um, we might be looking at the other side of the hill at a different herd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And will we have the current vet with us that's here now? I know we have two more on the way. I'm not sure he's going to stick out that long. He was scheduling a cruise or something he was doing. So, I mean, he got to learn how to open gates and ride in a ranger. Um, well, maybe he doesn't care so much because he said if he shoots his elk, then his wife says he can never go elk hunting again. But he also learned not to be in the wind today. <laughs> It was a funny dance, but he learned. I, I thought that was, like, pretty basic. I did, too, but I didn't say much because it was kind of embarrassing for him, I think. So are we going to have to start including that in our hunter prep course? It's a good FYI. <laughs> yeah. Don't pee on the electric fence. Uh, yeah, that, too. Now, it depends on the fence. We talked about this earlier today, too. Um, Mythbusters did a whole thing on it, and they got it wrong because they used the standard electric fence, which is AC. A bull fence, which is DC, and five to ten times more voltage. Um, yeah, that that one will buckle your knees. That's that's not a joke. So don't pee on one of those. No, yeah, don't be that. Yeah, just, just don't pee on a fence. No, because you never know. Caution. <laughs> there should be a warning sign. So hopefully, we're going to start seeing elk. Um, one of the other things that we kind of have done uh, just in fall, we Brandy and I went up to a wedding in Montana and decided that as we were coming back down, we were going to go through Yellowstone, just take a drive through. And one of the cool things there is we came upon a grizzly bear. And from the vehicle, I, I don't think this was a particularly large bear, but... Holy crap. It was hard to tell because it was down in a gully. So being down, it's going to look smaller than she is. I'm assuming it's a she because she did seem small. But there are people outside of their uh, cars like any other Yellowstone story. No, they're outside no, the car. No, they're sitting no, 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 on no. the pavement of the road or on the shoulder taking pictures. That bear decides that you looked at her cross-eyed. Do you know how much ground she could cover? Really fast. They are not slow like people think they are. They're 40 not. miles an hour. And even a small bear is formidable. They're the apex predator in their environment. And this was a grizzly. Yeah. They're not known to be friendly. No. They're not. And having experience running into grizzlies in the, in the backcountry, that's a no-joke situation. It's not pretty. It's not one of those things you, you, you sit down and get cuddly with. It, no, you don't play with that one. You stay in your car. You may drive a little slower to take a peek, and you keep moving. Well, the selfie opportunity and the photo op is irresistible. Well, as we finally, we decided we weren't stopping because we're smart because we're from here. And uh, we, as we drove through, the Yellowstone Bugs and Bunny cop was pulling in with his lights on. So I'm sure he broke the crowd up. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, public safety and all. (laughs) No. Yeah. So, if you guys ever want to, like, see some of this stuff, um, there's a Facebook page. It's called uh, Yellowstone Invasion of the Idiots. 
and absolutely hysterical. Don't pet the fluffy cows. Yeah. They're the assault cows. Oh, man. Uh, High-capacity assault cows. <laughs> how many tosses did we have this year? I think we were up to like 30. Yeah, there was 30, they, 33. They have elk goring people now. Yes. And that was new this year. That elk didn't just throw somebody. He killed them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was done. Yep. Yeah, elk are, yeah, don't don't mess with these animals. They will kill you. Because they are wild animals, and no, they don't lock them up because this is their home that you're going through. They're allowing you to go through it. Show some respect. It is not a petting zoo. No, and I think what, what people don't understand is when these animals stand and fight, uh, these animals are seeing it as a fight for their life, and they are not going to stop until they no longer consider you to be a threat. Correct. Um, and typically that's going to mean killing you because compared to most of these animals, um, we're frail. We are just squishy, you know, crunchy tacos. We are loud. We move really slow. We're kind of awkward. We're not even close to a match for any of it. No. I mean, jackrabbit maybe. But outside <laughs> that, I don't know. I don't know. I've seen Monty Python. I ain't taking on that rabbit. <sighs> He's got big teeth. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I guess when we go back up there, we know it's going to be a little bit cooler than it was this time, so I'll probably be wearing a, a few more layers. There will be a wardrobe change. <laughs> and uh, I think I'm going to put the, the the cushy top cooler in the back this time. That's a good play. That is a good play. <laughs> and hopefully, uh, next time we talk to you guys, we are going to have uh, some meat hanging. So, until yeah. then... Good luck on your guys' hunt. Um, and as they say, when you're hunting, it's good hunting, not good luck. Correct. And uh, I guess if you don't have it, keep blaming your gun. <laughs>